Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first 10 minutes of a private conversation between a Tudor personality and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is January 1541 and King Henry VIII is on the throne. Wyatt has just been arrested for the second time and is sitting in prison awaiting his fate. Like as the bird in the cage enclosed, the door unsparred and the hawk without, twixt death and prison piteously oppressed, where the for to choose standeth in doubt. I know which one I choose. Prison or death ain't much of a choice, is it really? Certy, so do I, which do seek to bring about which should be best by determination, by loss of life liberty, or life by prison. I wouldn't really call loss of life as liberty, would you? Oh, mischief by mischief to be redressed, where pain is the best, there lieth little pleasure. By short death out of danger yet to be delivered, rather than with painful life, thraldom and dolour. Hmm, though once were a man from Nantucket. Do you mind? I hadn't finished. Oh, sorry. Carry on. Not sure I can remember the rest of it anyway. Something about a bucket, I think. <clears throat> For small pleasure, much pain to suffer, sooner therefore to choose, methinketh it wisdom, by loss of life liberty, than life by prison. Much more is the... Two verses. <clears throat> by length of life yet should I suffer, awaiting time and fortune's chance. Many things happen within an hour, that which me oppressed, many me advance. Not a lot happens in an hour in here, mate. I can tell you that much. In time is trust, which by death's grievance is utterly lost. Then were it not reason by death to choose liberty, and not life by prison. Mind you, it does give you plenty of time to write poetry. Peace and quiet and all that. In cage, in thraldom, or by hawk to be oppressed. And which for to choose make plain conclusion by loss of life, liberty, or life by prison. Finished. Yes. Didn't understand a word of it. Still, that's the mark of good poetry, isn't it? Anything to distract me from these dreadful headaches. Should I know you, then? Famous poet, are you? Sir Thomas Wyatt, at your service. Well, I'm not at anyone's service presently, but you, know, you get my gist. N not ringing a bell, I'm afraid. What's your style, then? I am the master of grievances, reproach, disappointment and unrequited desire. Aren't we all? I'm more of a comic myself. Limericks, generally. There once were a man called Bunt. Is that what you're in here for? Yes. They got a little bit too near the knuckle for some folks. I really can't imagine. Bet you're good with the ladies. <laughs> you're good looking, I bet. I am tall and athletic. I have been told I am pleasing to the eye. Silver-tongued devil, I expect. Started young, probably. I only circulated my poems to a small group of intimate friends. Ever get anything printed? 
Officially like. Oh, no, nothing printed. Although I did copy a selection of my favourites into a book for my own collection. Were they long? Like that one you just did? Oh, no. Most of them started life on a single folded piece of paper tucked into my doublet. I could then pass it to a friend or leave it somewhere that a girl might find it. Like a love letter. Poetry isn't something you read. It's an actual, tangible thing. Like a flower. Or a jewel. Or a handkerchief. You can leave the poem in a particular place, or fold it in a certain way, or tie it with a particular knot. It's like a game. Eh? Okay. Here's another of mine. What am I talking about? What means this when I lie alone? I toss, I turn, I sigh, I groan. My bed, me seems, as hard as stone. What means this? You need to get a new mattress. I sigh, I plain continually. The clothes that on my bed do lie, always me think they lie awry. What means this? Your maid has quit, before she made the bed. In slumbers oft for fear I quake, for heat and cold I burn and shake. For lack of sleep my head doth ache. What means this? Sounds like a hangover to me. At mornings, then, when I do rise, I turn unto my wanted guise, all day after muse and devise. What means this? Um... And if, perchance, by me there pass, she unto whom I sue for grace, the cold blood forsaketh my face. What means this? (laughs) Your blood has rushed somewhere other than your face, clearly. I can do a limerick about that. There once were a man from Venus who had an enormous... But if I sit near her by, with loud voice my heart doth cry, and yet my mouth is dumb and dry. What means this? Means you need another beer. To ask for help no heart I have. My tongue doth fall what I should crave, yet inwardly I rage and rave. What means this? You're having a breakdown? Thus have I passed many year, and many a day, though naught appear, but most of that that most I fear. What means this? There. What does it mean? It means you had nothing very pressing to do at court. If you spent all day amusing in case a bird you fancy walks by. You're not a romantic, are you? I can tell. Just because I've never written a sonnet doesn't mean I'm not romantic. You know, sonnets are actually Italian. I was the first Englishman to write one because I discovered them when I visited. I brought back the concept. Oh, we've got you to thank for that, have we? You're welcome. Sets us all up for failure, that one. Cheers. In my poetry, love is a bargain or a contract to be made. He is offering his service while she will respond with (laughs) favours. And I think I guess what the favour is and has not taken the bins out. For example, I see that chance hath chosen me thus secretly to live in pain and to another given the fee of all my loss to have the gain. By chance assigned, 
thus do I serve, and other have that I deserve. <sighs> Unto myself some time alone I do lament my woeful case. But what availeth me to moan, since truth and pity hath no place in them to whom I sue and serve, and other have that I deserve? You've lost me now. To seek by mean to change this mind, alas, I prove it will not be, for in my heart I cannot find once to refrain, but still agree, as bound by force always to serve, and other have that I deserve. There once were a lady with angina. Such is the fortune that I have to love the most that love me least, and to my pain to seek and crave the thing that other have possessed. So thus in vain always I serve, and other have that I deserve. Ooad, a very large v- Until I may appease the heat, if that may hap, will hap so well to wail my woe, my heart shall fret, whose pensive pain my tongue can tell. Yet thus unhappy must I serve, and other have that I deserve. And what did all that mean when it's at home? Well, he's annoyed, isn't he? He's been drawn into a terrible relationship where he's expected to do all the wooing and begging and yet doesn't get anything for it. Instead of writing all that to her, couldn't he have just sent her a note saying, it's over, you're not worth it. Saves time, you see. Ah, but that's not the way, is it? It's not about public displays of action towards a woman. Isn't it? No. It's about talking heart to heart about private feelings, letting them into your inner soul. Sounds a bit girly to me. You don't get it, do you? It's about communication. Look at translation pieces. Look at what? Catherine Aragon commissioned me to translate a Latin text. Now, that was a ruse, because her Latin is better than mine and she already owned a translation. So why did she ask you to do it then? Because the subject of the text was critical to convince Henry about how miserable she was in their divorce proceedings. Eh? What you choose to translate tells you the message that they want to communicate. How do you mean? It's safer than coming right out and saying something blunt. You can deny any link between the text and your own personal circumstances. You can? You can cry coincidence. But really, you can make small alterations to the text so that if you know where to look, you can reveal the message. Oh, right. So you translated it for her, then? Uh, no. I attempted it, and then gave up, because it was too hard and repetitious. So I offered to translate something else instead. Get all the commissions from the King's Wise after that, did you? You know, of course, that I was one of the men arrested in connection with conjugal relations with Queen Anne Boleyn. Blimey. No, I didn't know that. So are it true? I am careful not to reveal anything in my poetry. For instance, what do you think this relates to? <clears throat> oh, oh, God. Whoso lists to hunt, I know where there is Anne Hind. But as for me, 
Alas, I may no more. The vain travail hath wearied me so sore. I am of them that farthest cometh behind. Yet may I by no means my wearied mind draw from the deer, but as she fleeth afore, fainting, I follow. I leave off, therefore. Sithens in a net I seek to hold the wind. Who list her hunt, I put him out of doubt, as well as I may spend his time in vain. And graven with diamonds in letters plain, there is written her fair neck round about. Noli me tangere, for Caesar's I am, and wild for to hold, though I seem tame. No, you've lost me now. It's about hunting, and sex. It's set in the royal hunting park, and the deer is the sexual quarry. She's wearing a diamond necklace. Uh, don't tell me the king's deer wear diamond necklaces in Richmond Park. No, it's a metaphor. A metaphor what? Look, words can be weapons in the hands of the right people. I wrote this when I was accused. Listen to the words. I've been listening to the words. What else could I listen to? Accused though I be without desert, Sith none can prove, believe it not for true, for never yet, since that you had my heart, intended I to false or be untrue, sooner I would have death sustain the smart than break one word of that I promised you. Accept, therefore, my service in good part. None is alive that can ill tongues askew. Hold them as false and let us not depart our friendship old in hope of any new. Put not thy trust in such as used to feign, except thou mind to put thy friend to pain. Did it work? No, I was arrested. But I wasn't charged with her lovers, and I wasn't beheaded, as you can see. I blame the Duke of Suffolk for trying to set me up. What happened? I agreed to stand as principal witness against Anne and give evidence. Doesn't sound very romantic if you're actually a lover of hers. Sounds like you dropped her in the deep end to save your neck. You can't write a perm to get out of that. Here's another one I wrote in prison. Why did they give you quills and ink? By proof I say, there did I learn. Wit helpeth not defence to yearn of innocence to plead or prate. Bear low, therefore, give God the stern, for sure, circa, regna, tonat. Which means... Thunder rolls around the throne. Ah, that's a reference to Henry, then. But remember, I was released. I became a sheriff of Kent and was then knighted. So it wasn't all bad. Well, I'm happy for you. So, uh, how did you end up back in here? I left for Spain. My job was to judge the Emperor's commitment to peace and friendship with England. I annoyed Bishop Bonner. You know, he wrote a catalogue called Bishop Bonner's Accusations of the ways in which I failed to admire him. Ten separately numbered headings, all starting, I mislike Mr Wyatt. One of them is because I wouldn't let him ride my horse. The man is an idiot. Sounds it. Then I got Cromwell's letters, telling me everything I'd done wrong in the job, that I was taking too long to get things done, and that I'd left a lax household in England. What? He wrote to me once. 
for all the haste I would not omit to advertise you that some of your servants be called and named common stealers of the king's hawks. Idiot. What did you do? Wrote a poem. Possibly sailed a bit close to the wind. You don't say. So what happened? I was suspected of being a papist by the English and a heretic by the Spanish. I couldn't win. So I came home and tried to live quietly away from court. But then they came for Cromwell, and I was arrested too. They thought you were connected. I was considered his minion and had to go. You know I was there to watch his walk to the scaffold. He called out to me at the end and asked me to pray for him. I cried my eyes out. Yep, poor old Cromwell. No one saw that coming, least of all him. So, what have they charged you with then? There's no definite charge. Nothing has been proved. It's all just words. That's ironic, considering words are your life. I was marched to the tower in chains. And now I'm in a windowless cell. I can't even pass the time by watching. Oh, that's a shame. I've got a lovely window in here. So that's why all the poetry then. This is my latest. <clears throat> Sighs are my food. My drinks are my tears clinking of fetters that would such music crave stink. And close air away my life it wears poor innocence is all the hope I have. Rain, wind or weather judge I by my ears. Malice assaults that righteousness should have. Sure am I, Brian, this wound shall heal again. But yet, alas, the scar shall still remain. And that's your defence, is it? I don't know what the charges are. I've tried to piece it together from the questions they've asked me. Well, that and the fact that I may have wished a traitor's death on the king. What? I may have said that he was left out of the cart's arse and that by God's blood, if he was so, he were well served. Right, well, yes... That'll do it. So, if that don't work, what will you do? Someone needs to plead with Henry on my behalf. Someone that likes me. Like who? Oh, I've got it. The king's new wife, Catherine Howard. I shall write a poem to her and ask her to get me out. There once were a girl called Howard, who were an enormous coward. She'd had lots of affairs in singles and purrs. And now she were battery-powered. Next time, it's Catherine Howard and the cleaner. I hope she's got her rubber gloves on. The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Synth 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact-check what you've heard on this person, visit our website, losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Synth79P, and use the hashtag, Lost Tapes of History.